Welcome to another episode of How You Can Do with your host, your boy, Alvi, aka Danny, aka Mr. You Can Too. I have an incredible podcast with an incredible guest today, Kareem Zari. We met very recently, just a couple of weeks ago, yet our connection is so strong already. In this episode, we talk about his journey and how he's gone from pain to peace. So much of his story resonates with my story with losing my mom, and there's so much wisdom and guidance that we can learn from Kareem and his story. We take a deep, deep, deep dive into this journey of his, all of his life lessons that he learned, and ultimately how that has created him into the transcendental man that he is today. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your family, friends, and loved ones. It would mean the world to me if you leave a five-star review and a rating of the show. I appreciate you. I honor you. And as always, you can too. Enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, y'all are in for a special, special, special treat. It's funny when it comes to these podcasts because the way I'm living my life right now and the events that I go to, I come in contact with so many amazing, insightful, heart-centered people that I know have gone through a journey to get there. This gentleman I'm getting ready to introduce to you, we met just last week at a sharing circle where many of us got the opportunity to talk about self-actualization, what it means to us, and as this gentleman was talking about what self-actualization looked like for him and talking about bliss and peace and not only talking about it, but seeing him embodying it as he was talking about it was an absolute joy. And I definitely connected deeply with it. And I said, man, I have to have this guy on the podcast. And it just so happened that he moved his flight or his flight was moved. So we're able to fit this into the schedule the day before he was heading back to Tulum. I want to introduce you to the transcendental man, a.k.a. Kareem Zari. Welcome to Riley. Thank you, Alvi. I appreciate it. And congratulations. I understand this is your 100th show. It's an honor to be here and uh, really a privilege. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, I appreciate your words and to be able to see and acknowledge when you have found the mirror in the world and to know that, uh, yes, everyone's going through a process. Everyone's going through their own journey in life. And as we all move forward through it, we can start to rise up and to see that more clearly in all the people around us. And when we find someone that's going through that process or has been through most of the journey along the way, as we all see it now, mm-hmm. um, it's a really profound moment to be able to look at someone and say, here's a mirror and I see a reflection. Mm. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. And I love this, the analogy of the mirror because like I was telling you before, before we hopped on and started recording, I feel like there's so much that so many of us share in common, yet we're told a lot of lies and nonsense around how different we are and how we have to separate. So to see another soul brother like you doing the work is really just amazing to see. And I'm really interested to see and hear about, you know, kind of what got you to this point. You know, a huge part of this show is taking people's stories and having the listeners be able to hear and receive what they're saying and understanding that they can also go through a similar path, right? Or they can take lessons through all of our journeys and apply it to their own life if they so choose. So I would love to know just a little bit about kind of how you describe where you are now and also what did it take or what were some of the major plot line stories that got you here? Well, to boil it down, it really comes to the journey from pain to peace. Mm. And everyone has their own struggles. Everyone has their own story. And in that story, we all have our own cross to bear. And we can all look around and say that my life has been, my life has been hard and struggled and 
nobody understands me and you just don't know. But the truth is, is that whomever is hearing that, they have their own process, they're going through their own struggles, their own series of development. And for me, it has been quite a journey. Um, I'd say that I've lived at least more than one life already Mm -hmm. in this one. You know, Mm -hmm. there was a time where I had what was seemingly a really normal life. You know, I worked in restaurants for most of my life, restaurants and hotels, and and uh, I thought I would do that for all my life, really, mm. and work my way up, and I had my own restaurant at some points, and when I was a young man, about 25, I'd already moved here to Miami from New York, and I met, you know, the girl of my dreams, mm. and it was a beautiful experience. I mean, in the beginning, she really hated my guts. And, <laughs> and it took a while. But after a couple years of friendship, you know, she fell in love with me. And we had what anyone see would be a great life. You know, we both worked in hospitality. And we both were really, really dedicated to our work. And, you know, moved up in both of our, in both of our worlds. <clears throat> and for me, that was restaurants. And for her, it was in hotels. Okay. And so, like a seeming power couple, we were everywhere we needed to be. We were supporting each other, you know, knowing everyone in the industry. And over time, that, that came back to to be great experiences. You know, going out was really visiting friends in other places and hotels and restaurants. And going on vacation was also part of, like, research and development and our, and our work. And eventually, we'd be traveling to Napa every year for my birthday, visiting friends at wineries and mm. own them. And, and it was wonderful. It was a beautiful life, you know. And we started to make changes because, you know, you work a lot in that business. You work a lot of nights, you work mm. a lot of days, and it creates a, a struggle. And, you know, one day she chose to change her line of work and, and become uh, general manager of a gym. And along the process, she wanted to make changes, could see there were people that needed to, you know, to be phased out, to bring in the right energy and, and all of that. And, you know, it's just, that's just, you're looking at your life and everything is normal and this is just another day. And, you know, one day she goes to work and she terminates someone and uh, they don't know how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to deal with the struggle of what their world is collapsing on and what they think is the only thing that they have. Mm. And that drives people that don't have an inner centeredness and a calmness to them to do very, very tough things that they probably wouldn't do most of the time. Mm. You know, and then this person ended up going to their car, getting a gun and going back inside and, and shooting her. Jesus. And that was the beginning of the unraveling of what I understood was my life. Oh my goodness. To lose someone so close and dear you know we were together for nine years at this point mm. and for me this was the only person in the world who really understood me who knew me who was mm. my mirror my reflection beyond the world losing a beautiful innocent loving caring being the most caring person i'd ever known at that point in my mm. whole life you know i lost what were all of my dreams our dreams our goals our life everything we'd worked for career that we had you know, both put into all our energies into so that one day we could have a moment where we'd be able to enjoy each other together and not have to worry about working and all of these other things and just have our own beautiful life that we wanted to create together. And in that moment, that day, everything, everything died. Even the person who I was died. And when we come to these points where life unravels all around us, where everything that we thought we knew about ourselves and the world and what we thought we were supposed to live for and, and what our goals and ambitions are, what do we do? Do we go out and destroy, mm-hmm. create more pain and suffering in the world? What do we do? Who are we? That was another question that came along the way. Who was I now without this mirror in my life, without, mm. this, without this dream of happiness and joy? Who was I? What was, what was my purpose in life? Was purpose to be in suffering? And, and that was a question that was haunting me every day. Hmm. Great depression set in, of course. You know, I couldn't go back to work. I couldn't go back to giving every day, all day long to 
a job that had now or a career path that had now led to an empty home, right. an empty life. And, you know, the thing is when something like this happens, you know, or you see in the movies, you know, someone dies and something like this, you know, you just see, you see the funeral and then you see a cut to the future. Right. You know, no one, nobody talks about what happens afterwards. Right. You know, the person sitting in their, in their thoughts, mm. wondering what's supposed to happen. And then you hear a lot of the cliche things, you know, you just got to go out and try to be happy, you know, find someone else. You want you to be happy, all these things. And, and while these words twist like a, like a knife in the moment, the truth is, is that these cliches end up being, being truth at some point. Mm. But for me, sitting in that, having to see that now looking at my life and how empty it was without this person who all of my love and heart and soul had been poured into and and reciprocated now what who are we what do we do so i would wake up every day and really honestly just want to die yeah want to kill myself right didn't want to live didn't mm. want to wake up the next day and going to sleep also didn't come very easy either you know so I did the only thing I could do which I couldn't kill myself because it would just destroy my mother and of course my beloved would be ashamed of me mm. so I killed myself slowly mm. with drinking mm. and drugs and alcohol had always played a very major part in my life before then especially working in restaurants you know it started drinking at a very young age and then in restaurants you know that was part of the whole thing and I eventually became a sommelier and wine was my life and everything like that. And I reverted to basically, you know, feeding my passions, you know, drinking in my passions to try to have a semblance of a normal life. You know? Right. Trying to cope. Trying to cope. Right. Trying to cope with a bottle, you know. And the truth is, like, I couldn't really go out into the normal world much anymore. I tried to go out to dinner and to restaurants I used to go to and restaurants where my friends were, you know, worked at. And, you know, they didn't really know how to handle me. You know, so right. nobody knows what to deal with that. They're like, well, how are you doing? And, you know, how is work? And these questions that we all ask each other on a surface level in day-to-day -day life right. now really have no place for me. Right. You know, there's no understanding. And so I had to withdraw into myself and that eventually took me to travel and to, or to visit new places, but still doing the same thing, trying to cope. And the more it looked like eventually I would try to have fun, pretend I was having fun. And the more it looked like I was, the worse I really felt inside. Mm. And this still wasn't rock bottom. You know, the world had, the, the rug had been pulled under me from my world. And I'd fallen to the ground, but I hadn't picked myself up yet. You know, I just laid there in my own misery and suffering and pain. Why? Why me? Why this? How could someone do this, really? And what is the reason? And those answers don't really come when you're hungover every day or you know every other day and right. trying to find your own numbing of your pain. And a few years went by, and some tattoos later, I used to, I found myself tattooing our love letters on my body mm. to, to remember. I knew that, mm. you know, we would, we would share love notes and hide them for each other so we could find them mm. and things like that. And I would read them and know that, you know, this was her voice that I was now hearing. Mm. And... One day, maybe time would take these letters from me and maybe even my memory. But mm. if I was to make them permanent, a fixture of my being, they would always be with me mm. to prove that it was all real. And so I started to transfer the pain into my body mm. and have these love letters tattooed on me. And they truly did save my life. I would read them every morning, every night, and every time I felt struggles, I could hear her voice and her messages to me. Mm. And yet, I would still cope. You know, still keep on drinking and eating and this mindless, mindless feeding of the pain to our ego. Right. You know, woe is me. And so it finally came a couple years later, about two years later of this coping and non-growth, really. Just a devolution 
mm. you know, crumbling of, of who you are and what you feel. And this causes your pain to project outward. Mm-hmm. You know, you can see, sure. see people who are dealing with, with great pain and just not knowing how to deal with it. And what do they do? They snap and they bite at the people who love them. Right. The people who are there trying to help them, trying to be there for them and really helping them and being there for them. Mm. And so after that time, you know, I got really drunk one night at my friend's restaurant and just let everyone have it. Mm. Became the guy I hated the most, the one that projects all of his problems out, mm. you know, and doesn't care what anyone else feels or thinks or where they are and just lets everyone know how he feels inside. Mm. And I woke up the next morning, didn't remember how I got home, didn't remember what happened. Call my friend. You know, he doesn't answer. He sends me text messages, tells me what happened. So, you know, I was yelling at people and and just being angry and embarrassing him. This was a place I would go to like three times a week and mm. just eat dinner. I had my own seat at the bar. Everyone loved me to that point, but then I just lost it. Yeah. And I realized that at this moment now I'd finally come to be ashamed mm. how I was living what I was doing with my life because I still had my life right. I was still alive even with all the things that had happened and I did a quick pro and con list of alcohol and saw yeah there were all these great things that happened but then there was this much longer list of negatives and if I was to remove all these negatives then maybe it'll make some space for a little bit of good to come in mm. and so that day it was uh, June 23rd, 2019. Okay. It was the last day I ever touched alcohol. Amazing. You know, and this was a journey of going on quite a number of years. And at that point, I just wanted to feel better. You know, and that really is the, the moment that you decide to begin your transformational process. Right. When you say, I've had enough, no more. I'm deciding right now. I'm leaving this behind. What am I sacrificing? I'm going to sacrifice this. And with that release, yes, a few weeks later, I started to feel better. Mm. And then the mindless cycle of drink and eat and eat and drink started to dissipate. My, my taste for like rich, salty, fatty foods started to go away. And I started to feel better. I was mm. like, you know, maybe I'll just... I'll just have some protein shakes and some, a lot more salads and just like eat a little fish. And I started to feel better. Mm. And, and eventually even the fish started to fade, phase out. You know, I went uh, lobstering with friends eventually at some point, a couple months, a month or so later. And, uh, you know, you go down into the water and you reach down into this world where these beings are living and you can hear them snorting and trying to scamper away. And you right. grab them and you put them in a net. Mm. Then you take them out of their world. Then you take them into yours. And I'm standing in the kitchen, my friend and my sister in the other room, and I'm looking at these lobsters. And I've got to now cook them mm. and, you know, kill them. And I'm looking at them and I'm saying, I'm sorry, you know, I'm sorry, guys, sorry. And then I hear my sister and my friend in the other room, and they're like, we're sorry, you know. Mm. What happens? I overcook them. Mm. And I bite into this lobster meat. And I'm like, you know, what the hell? Mm. All of that for this. It wasn't even satisfying. It wasn't even satisfying. Mm. And on top of that, how could I kill something? Mm. What am I doing? Never again. Mm. And that was the moment where I, I left eating, you know, meat aside. I mm-hmm. just left it there. It wasn't like this really ingrained thing in me, but I knew that there was something that I was doing that wasn't coherent with how I felt in my heart. Right. And, you know, I'd still eat eggs after that point, but, but you know, it was a different kind of feeling. And so after another month and a half or so, right, really eating really clean, having alcohol out of my system, I, I sat and decided, you know, I need to make, I need to make another change here. I need, I need to have some understanding. Mm-hmm. You know, and at this point, um, I had been already microdosing with mushrooms and LSD and trying to see how that would help my depression. Gotcha. And I was like, maybe I need to do a little bit more. And so it was uh, September 23rd, 
Okay. The fall equinox, the day of changes. Mm. I I was in my house and I took a full dose of LSD mm-hmm. and I literally sat in a meditation cushion. I was mm-hmm. like, I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna sit here and I'm gonna figure this out. And I sat there and I stared at a candle, nothing else in the room. And I just stared at this candle. And I sat there and I peeled away all these layers of my life. Mm. All these things that I was saying was me and that that were my feelings and this and that and how could this happen and then getting to that point like well okay here I am now here I am now my suffering my pain what now Mm. okay well let's say karma is real right then that means this happened to me because I've done it before Mm. I did this to him and now the cycle, the page has turned. And now it's happening to me. And this means there's a cycle in life. What are we doing then? How does the cycle end? Mm. We put an end to it right here, right now. And in that moment, I had to see everything for what it was. I had to look back on my time now and see that a lot of abundant, beautiful things had still come into my life after that terrible moment. Right. And that terrible moment had opened the doorway for these things to happen. And how appreciative I was. I was able to be there for my family, which I didn't really have a connection to Mm. a lot of the time because I was so focused on my relationship. And I was able to see them, be there for them, open up to them in ways that I couldn't before. And how grateful I was. And then to look at this moment and to see that I had to be thankful for what happened for all these things Mm. because otherwise I wouldn't have ever experienced them but and I had to look at myself and see that if I was the original cause of this cycle I had to forgive myself it's the toughest part yeah and so I sat there and I forgave myself for it and in that moment I had to realize I wasn't alone now Mm. and I had to forgive him for it and to release him of the bond and that cycle and to set him free to let him know because what happened after was was he didn't just kill her he killed another person and then he killed himself wow so there wasn't any absolution there was no justice to be found Mm. there was no justice for him there's no there's no redemption possible for him because he he realized quickly what he'd done and he couldn't live with it and so in that moment I had to forgive him Mm. so he could be free and I could be free of him right mm. and in there also be grateful to them for the soul contract that we all had to have this moment to get to this understanding of how beautiful life can be when we see how the suffering and the pain is a tremendous transformative tool right if we can see it clearly right and the only way to do that is to dry and clear our eyes and to know and to look and to see that it's only us at that point beyond when the things happen to us when we're sitting and stewing it causing our own suffering Mm. and to release that suffering and in that moment all of that came a tremendous lightness of being a truly transformational moment that released me from a lot of bonds a lot of karmic energy that I was still carrying with me every single day Mm. And to be able to look at life in a new way, in a brighter, more beautiful way. I spent the next day integrating. And the following day, I had walked into my yoga studio, which I had been going to many years before. Uh, but during my days of darkness, my dark night of soul, I'd walk on the other side of the street hmm. and make sure nobody would see me, none of the teachers would see me, because I knew I was supposed to be in there. Mm. working doing the work Mm. on myself and the following day 7am I walked into the yoga studio and began what I would believe was my spiritual life wow and I said I'm gonna go every day twice a day maybe three times a day for a month Mm. and I did two three times a day four six hours of yoga every day for 30 days and of those 30 days I had an emotional breakdown hmm great pain just right in my heart just real agonizing and I was like what is this I don't know what this is like this can't be me all the tears have been shed 
I've already worked uh, through all that. But she did it already. So I she did finished. It, yeah. Right? Man, sitting in my house meditating for two days, just really crying, crying, crying. And then I started to feel this energy in the room. Start to hear things. Start to hear like voices. And what is this? And like It's like crying and prayers and things. And I understand now that this energy was the energy of other people suffering in the world. Mm. Other people calling out for help. Mm. Other people in pain. And I could hear them now because I, like a radio, I was mm. tuned to that frequency. Right. And I could feel it. And I could understand that, well, maybe I can't reach them. But if I can work on myself, work on the area around me and spread love around me, then maybe one day that'll spread eventually back to them. Mm. And that began another level of transformation. Right. And life is layers and levels of transformation. Right. Now we can either choose to step up to those challenges or we can stay right where we are and stew in it. Right. And we know, you know, you know, doing, not doing the work and by doing it, the only way out is to Let's make a decision. It. Yeah. To do it. Make yeah. a step forward. Mm. And then that began a whole new journey into yoga. Mm. And yoga was really what also saved my life. It's incredible. I mean, one, thank you so much for sharing open and vulnerably, you know, the darkness that you went through to get to where you are now. And there's so many parallels to your story that is really resonates with my life, right? Talking about the loss of someone you love so much. Like your partner at that time was your mirror, right? She was the closest person to you who had you felt like you were understood, right? And the person that I lost that really spearheaded my spiritual journey was my mom. So I lost my mom uh, back in May of 2015. And the difference I would say between the dynamics between my situation with my mom and you with your partner at the time, what was her name? Janine. You and Janine at the time, is that my mom and I had a lot of friction in our relationship. And after a lot of work and realization, so much of that friction was because of me and how I was showing up and all my insecurities and me and my life not being where I quote unquote thought it should be as a, you know, 20, really from a 22 year old graduate from Georgetown up until she passed as a, uh, when I was 26 and her not living life, how I thought she should be doing it based off what I thought. So it was the friction there. And it was incredible that, you know, similar to you, when she died, a part of me died as well. And that was pointed out to me um, by a good friend. And it was so hard for me to recognize in the moment. But when he told me that a few years after it happened, I realized how true it was. And I really didn't get to the point of really shedding as much as I needed to until I tapped into the forgiveness. And that's such a powerful point that you bring up. I even write that it's one of the chapters in my book is that, you know, forgiveness it's not for others. It's truly for myself. And I had to, or I chose to rather, forgive myself, forgive my mom, and then also forgive the doctor that performed and authorized the surgery that my mom clearly wasn't a healthy enough candidate to go through. And it, it took me a while, but it shed a lot of layers. And then talking about plant medicine... You know, it was my first solo mushroom journey, like full dive, like three and a half grams at the beach, going through this experience where like I felt my mom there and I had to pour everything out and just crying and all of these things. And it started out all as like a happy moment, beautiful sunny day, just like it is right now. And then out of nowhere, this huge like just storm just came in, a cold breeze came and like, I literally just felt my mom's like spirit just like get swept away. And it was like I had lost her all over again. And I was just crying, crying, crying. But at the same time healing and you know, making a decision of like, all right, like what is it that I'm gonna do with my life? And I know for you, you said it, it turned into, and we're gonna jump into this like the yogic journey 
right? And for me, it was going into that, like that holistic coaching journey that I needed to go through because before my background was more in sports performance training, personal training at a very similar uh, facility, right? That your partner was in. And realizing that the way I wanted to help people was so much more than the physical. It was working with the mental, with the emotional, with the spiritual, if they were open to that type of language. Yet realizing that I was doing all those things for myself first mm-hmm. and kind of coming from like that, that, um, that wounded healer type of archetype of trying to, to help people in that way. But <clears throat> learning that I had to meet people where they were at. Because with my mom, I never met her where she was at. I had all this knowledge around nutrition and mindset, this, that, the other. But at the time, it was like forced. It was almost trying to like force religion on her, like knocking on the door. Hey, have you heard about our Savior, Lord (laughs) Jesus Christ? Like literally like that, like no invitation. And typically, that's not effective. And then after her death, that's when I realized like, okay, I need the skill set to meet people where they're at. That's how I got into learning more about different aspects of life coaching and getting certified and just continuing my growth and my path. And, you know, something I I would love to hear now for you is like, man, you were able to just channel, like you said, all of this pain and turn it to peace. When you started the yogic journey and you realized after that month of, you know, two to three times a day, every day, that this is what you were going into. And you started realizing that even more layers were being shed. I'm curious to, what did all of that work in the yogic journey now turn into? And where did that start to take your life? Mm. Well, you know, for those familiar with like self-healing and energy and yoga, you know, there are energy centers in the body. You know, chakras are known as or the wheels and things like that. But the truth is, all of our experiences, everything affects the energy of the body. You know, mm-hmm. everything from what we eat to what we watch to what we see to where we hang out to yeah. who we are relate, you know, in our relations and everything. All these things affect the body. And your body is a physical representation of all of the things that have gone through your life process. Mm-hmm. The energy that is your life has now transformed physically into your body. Right? So... What I was doing in all this yoga every day so much was literally physically unlocking these energy centers, mm-hmm. you know, working through those processes. And the, the act of yoga, it's not, and it hasn't for me been a physical, you know, exercise, you know, it really is supposed to be more of a, an internal process where you're understanding all the energy and you're going through your emotions because your emotions really start to get affected when you're doing these things. Right. You know, they're difficult postures or, you know, you're stuck there and you're in your mind and for me I'd been in my mind now already for quite some time you know and it was about pushing those boundaries so I continued with that yogic process and I was like well you know this is working and the reason why it come about was because when I was really young I'd done yoga a few times and I loved it it was like the greatest high ever experience Mm. but then as you know life started to change and you know you get a little older you hang out with your friends stuff like that for me it went away and then Janine, one time during a relationship, she had gotten me a Groupon for the yoga studio in, in the neighborhood where we lived in. So I went, and I went like 47 times in a month. Wow. And they were like, man, you've been coming so much. Here's another two weeks, you know, oh, here. Amazing. So I was doing that. But then again, better life got, you know, the, the fun and the travel and the drinking, that mm-hmm. spiritual aspect started to get hidden away, pushed mm-hmm. away. Until right. one day, the universe was like, hey, man. <laughs> guess what time to wake up Mm. so she'd always been telling me janine she was like man you're always at your best when you're doing yoga or skydiving because i love skydiving so So that was always going through my mind especially when i was in the dark times you know looking at the yoga studio walking on the other side of the street Mm. knowing that's where i'm supposed to be right so that was what drove me to the yoga process um and I had always had this like image, seeing myself, my future self in that world, you know, doing something in that. But I couldn't see the, the way it would happen. You know, working in a restaurant, you know, like living in a box, you know. And I'm like, man, am I gonna, am I gonna die here working in a restaurant? Mm. And I did, mm-hmm. literally did. Right. That old life died right there. 
So I continued yoga and, you know, reading, getting into it more and everything like that. And as I would still go two, two, three times a day, every single day. And, and then I would, I would have, you know, these questions about my diet, you know, and I was still eating eggs. So I would wake up every morning and have like four to six eggs, you know, and then that was it for protein of mm-hmm. that sort and just have vegetables and stuff. Right. But like a couple hours later, I would feel super tired like mm. just drained and I was like what is this and then I started to see that in my my yoga practice I wasn't as flexible I wasn't as able to go deep and mm. be internal as much and, and push myself in certain ways the days that I would have that that protein right so I was like alright let me just phase this out and see what's up and and I was like okay well maybe I feel better much better I felt rejuvenated I felt like I was getting younger I still mm. feel that way every day I feel Absolutely. like I'm getting younger as things go along and actually that the physiological nutritious aspect of it how it was affecting my body I didn't understand until months later when I saw the movie Game Changers on Netflix mm-hmm. you know and it gave me a clear understanding like oh that's what's going on in my blood and that's the reason why you know that wasn't working for me mm-hmm. so you know I completely cut that out and went fully plant-based from that from that point on and then now this was like a few months later it was December of 2019 I decided to go to an ashram in the Bahamas and do yoga teacher training for a month nice. so I went down there and I was in my element you know I was walking around and I was like man I feel like I've been here before mm. you know I've walk through these steps before and I know this feeling and it reminded me also of my time in the first two years of high school when I went to military school and military school for me was like when I found myself like Mm. I had always been a small kid you know I had glasses and braces in middle school and then I get to high school and I was like never wearing glasses again braces are off changing this whole aspect of my life and I'm going into military school which wasn't even a choice for me Mm. And I found myself, like, the discipline, everything, the the drive, all of it. Like, I was fully in my element. And so, when I get to the ashram, it's the same thing. You've got this structured day all day long from 5.30 a.m. till 11.30 at night. You know, really pushing. And then the energy centers are continuously worked on. You know, another three to four hours of yoga every day. And then learning the philosophy of, of all of these things. I could see how this was what my life was leading to. It was leading to me to this place. And and I knew I was in my element. And I knew I could start to see that, of course, you know, karma and everything. And reincarnation and all these things. I've been here before. Mm-hmm. You know, I've been here in this place and another place in the world before many times. And... A lot of the ways that I had started to look at the world started to change. You know, I started to feel well, for a long time like I'm just going to be alone. Mm. Like I tried to have a girlfriend during my, you know, the years afterwards, and but. they weren't working out. You know, it's like maybe I'm supposed to be alone. Hmm. You know, maybe that's the way it is. And then I started to realize, no, wait, I am, I'm continuously looking outward, mm. right? I am not having these relationships that are successful because the love that I'm projecting outward is being transfixed onto another mirror. Gotcha. Yeah. Now, what happens? You have a mirror in front of you and you see the reflection that you like, right? And you love, now you're seeing a reflection of yourself that you love. And I started to see that we, we don't fall in love with, you know, in these aspects, when we're like that, we're not falling in love with this other person. We're falling in love with the reflection of ourself in, the, in their eyes. Yeah. Right? What happens when that mirror goes away? Yeah, we lose our sense of self. Lose our sense of self. Because we spent all our time projecting love onto someone else. And the love that they're giving us makes us feel whole. Right. And external I, validation. External. So I had to yeah. love myself and come to that understanding. And then once again energy started to shift and I started to realize well I'm not supposed to be alone like if the tables had turned like I wouldn't want her to be alone I want her to be happy I want her to find someone and I'm like everything's gonna be okay you know just keep on taking care of myself and loving myself and everything's gonna be good Mm. and from there energy started to shift again so I continued that yoga process came back 
from the from the ashram, and now this is the beginning of twenty twenty. Mm. Right. Good practice for everything coming up. <laughs> yeah. And I actually tell it to a lot of people. You know, I've been living alone in my own little world in this quiet realm for quite a while before the whole world decided to join in. Right. So <laughs> I was kind of prepared for all that stuff. So, you know, first couple months back, you know, the world was still kind of normal and stuff like that. But it was shifting. And then end of February, I remember I'd visited, I was visiting my mom in Puerto Rico and I'm sitting on the beach and it's the last day of the month, February 28th. Mm-hmm. And I had been like trading into crypto and stocks at that point. And I kind of knew that we were at some point where there's a tipping happening. Mm-hmm. And I'm on the beach and I'm watching the stock market crash on my phone. Remember it vividly, you know. Last day of the month. Mm-hmm. And then I actually left that day. And that's actually the last time I've seen my mom like been with my mom in the oh, same wow. place you know because yeah. every the whole world changed after that mm-hmm. so I came back and I'm at the yoga studio and talking to my friends and they're all like oh look this thing and you know we have to like go home for a couple weeks and quarantine and this and that I'm like hey guys I'm like trust me right now it ain't gonna be a couple weeks mm. and we are about to go through a change now nah, you're crazy Kareem you don't know what you're talking about I'm like alright it's all good mm-hmm. We'll see. I'm good. Like, you know, I'm stocked for wave five, six, seven. I'm right. good. And, you know, then the world started to change. So I actually got in touch with my yoga instructor and friend. And I was like, hey, I still need to do my yoga practice because my personal practice isn't developed yet. Mm. Will you come and teach me privates? Mm. So she came and she teach me two-hour privates every day. Amazing. Five days a week. And then over the time in the ashram, I'd met a friend, and he needed a place to stay in Miami for a few months. And so I was like, yeah, you can stay with me in my other room. And a few months turned out to be, you know, a year. <laughs> uh-huh. And so I had and I had committed to another teacher training when I'd come back to Miami. Okay. And he actually did as well. Oh, and nice. then those shifted to being at home online. So mm. we would do each other's yoga practice. Oh, so again, another four, six hours of yoga every day, all day, wow. you know, green drinks, you know, pure, really, really clean eating. Mm-hmm. And I was starting to reflect on my life again. And I was like, like, my life is a blessing. It's always been a blessing. Everything that's happened in my life has been a blessing. If I can just see it clearly for what it all has been. Mm. And to embrace that and accept that and to, to love that. And then boom energy shift and like this world of abundance just starts pouring down on me you know friends and loves and and wealth all these things boom quarantine time of my new life mm. you know especially here in miami where it was very different than than where everyone else Absolutely. was enjoying you know it's more like paddle boarding every other day and going on bike rides to watch the sunset mm-hmm. and hanging out with my friends and you know it was a whole different world but the yoga was consistently what kept me driven Right. And then I had I had signed up for another teacher training, which was like considered like the best teacher training in the world and you know, like really the best training, all that, and it was for October, October, November in Italy. Okay. So I had basically just spent the rest of the year training for that point to mm. get to that. And um, we're getting closer and closer to October and now the world's starting to shut down a little tighter and a little bit of this and like they call me up and like hey you know we don't know if you're gonna be able to come and this and that you have to do a two week quarantine I'm like I'll do two weeks quarantine ahead of time I'm like you have to stay in your room in the hotel I'm like okay fine I'll just do like a a vipassana which is like when you stay quiet alone for like two weeks Mm. you know and it really is this internal process because you're you're silencing everything from the outside, and then the inside starts to really get real loud. Open up. Huh? I'm like, I'm yeah. ready. Let's do this. Yeah. And it gets closer and closer and closer. The day comes. It's actually no. Even before then, um, I had been I had been seeing someone, and she introduced me to a shaman. And this shaman got me in touch with ayahuasca. Nice. And so I did my first ayahuasca journey in like July of 2020, and it was a private ceremony, just me and the shaman, and wow. then like. Open, extreme power, extremely opening, and and I'd come to realize how again how much more I could have been doing with my life, Mm. and how I had been ashamed, had so much shame, you know, tied with a lot of my life and my family and everything, and what was I still doing? Even all the yoga and everything I was doing, I still wasn't really giving 
giving to others, you know, and, and I could have done more. And, and also, you know, this connection with the animal world and the earth and the plant kingdom and everything like what the world is going through. It's like how we, how we just take and take and take and how the land is being ripped apart. And like, what is my role in that? And what has my role been? Mm. And just really releasing so much energy, really. And and that I felt like opened me up to the world of Tulum. Mm. And a few weeks later, I'd met a, a friend who I had gotten in touch with before, but our energies weren't aligned, okay. you know. And we had both been trying to find ourselves, you know, and and see who we were. And then we connected at a a, um, a gathering, and. You know, I just looked to my left and like, there he is. Oh wow, look at and that! He's like, he's like, hey man, I'm having a birthday party. You know, on Friday, why don't you come? So I go and I'm in his house and I start to see all these people I'd been seeing all over the place and like they seemed really interesting looking and strange and like they were really different. And I just kind, I knew I was supposed to be there, and uh, so he invites me down to go to Tulum and check out, you know, check it out for his birthday. And he's also going to see this property this eco-sustainable resort that's being mm. built where the person wants to do ceremonies and stuff like that yeah. i was like okay cool you know i'm just going for the ride you know just go with flow mm. go down there and man that's that is an awakening journey to go down to tulum really different energy different world of experience mm. you know people really going through a lot of changes and everything like that and very mystical and and really connecting with the earth and things and we do a clay ceremony, no medicine, nothing like that. You just take this Mayan clay and you put it on your body and it's very grounding and you lay down, you have this sound journey. And man, everyone that was in that in that clay ceremony was like, Man, I went somewhere. Wow. I like went somewhere, came back and it was a different thing and and at the end of it we all like crawl down to the beach. We go wash ourselves on the beach and like it was just like a, someone else had like come back. That's how I felt. Like the energy had shifted in me so much. And the next day, we go to see this eco-sustainable resort property. And I walk in, and I just feel the energy of the place. And I'm like, whoa, what is going on here? And like, you know, I'm like, wait, you can... It was like sold like condos. And I was like, wait, you can buy in here? And it's a hotel? I'm like, what is going on? And it was like my old world... Mm. you know that hospitality aspect coming right. back to greet me and mm. the energy of the place and I felt like I was supposed to be here right. and like I just knew like by the end of the week I was like yeah I'm, I'm definitely investing in this let's go um, so then I come back to Miami and I'm getting ready for my trip and the world starts shutting down I'm like alright I'm going it was like the day before my birthday mm. the flight so it was like it was flight four, four leg flight to get to Italy I spent my birthday on a plane Right, I land, get to Zurich, one more stretch to get to Italy, and they're like, "No, no, no, you can't. You're not allowed to enter into the EU from here." I'm like, "Why? What do you mean?" They're like, "Oh, you know, and it was right after like a big outbreak in the U.S. and the uh, president is like, I've got COVID and it's all good." And they were like, "No, no, you're going back." They uh, had me wait as my flight took off, and they put me on another flight right back to New York. Uh, so I get to New York, and I'm like talking to people and they're like yeah we don't know we think it might happen again when you get to Italy you might not be able to get in well, we can give you a refund we can do another another you know teacher training in the future or whatever and I'm sitting there in the airport and I'm like what do I do I'm like I'm like alright let me let me stay here in New York for a couple days you know and just see what's up and mm -hmm. figure myself out so I'm like alright I'll take a refund and an instructor from that yoga lineage okay. that had a school in New Jersey had reached out to me some time before. And he's like, when you're done with all that, why don't you come and check us out here if you want to keep continuing your training? Mm. So I reach out to him. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be in New York for three days. He's like, well, why don't you come and check us out? So I'm there for a couple of days and I go out there and I do some classes and I see the place and I'm like, this is where I'm supposed to be. Mm. No like, accidents. No. And the the lineage that I was going to train in Italy, you know, was very feminine, very feminine aspect. Mm -hmm. And me, what I know about yoga is it had started for, for boys, young boys, young men. And I've been looking around the yoga world on, in the West, and it's very feminine, 
his approach that's very accepted, embraced by the feminine aspect and there's not a lot of men for what, at that point like really developing and, and training in yoga and I'm like man men of all people men of all need yoga right now in the world for sure and to connect with that and the owners were men in this place mm. and like I, I was like this is where I'm supposed to be like my schedule for the next 45 days just opened up you know I guess I'll just stay here so I went there and I practiced there twice three times a day mm. same thing for a month you know and I realized like that's where I'm supposed to be these are supposed to be my teachers here and I go back to Miami and and then um, I was like now I can go back to the, the opening party for this place I invested in in Tulum mm-hmm. you know because otherwise I would have been in Italy Right. So I go down there, and then that opens to a whole new journey, a whole new chapter in the journey. And like, I, I invest more in the place, and I'm like, I want to be involved here, you know, and really have this place become something that, that can help people and, and people can have experiences of transformation right. and be in an environment where they're comfortable. And, and you know, it's it's something where people who wouldn't be exposed to transformational experiences right. will get that just from being there mm. you know and that will open them up to being able to experience more and to love more and then eventually if they go back home with this trojan horse of love in them mm-hmm. that we can plant in them by wow. having these experiences mm-hmm. then they're going to go and they're going to change the world from where they are absolutely and spread that mm. and so for me yoga has been the journey you know it's been it's been there the whole time just waiting for me to find it right and then how you're saying you know you had to get in coaching and you would learn more about it and that wounded wounded healer aspect and me i had to learn the same thing i had to i had to develop myself more more trainings more more opening of myself to get to the point where even after that which was the end of 2021 Mm -hmm. uh, 2020 you know, there's still another year that I spent a lot of time down there in Tulum working on myself and, and doing things and developing relationships with people and having experiences in my second ayahuasca journey, another private ceremony, mm. to be able to get to the point where now I'm able to share my experiences. I'm right. able to share my journey and share the methods and the tools, because there are a lot more than just yoga, to have transcendental transformation, you know, mm. and a quantum leap of evolution in the body in one lifetime right you know we can we can all look at these aspects like i'm just working on this one issue this mommy issue this daddy issue like this one pain this one thing but then we get stuck in it we get stuck just Mm -hmm. focusing on that one thing we have to be able to say this experience happened i need to i need to embrace this experience see it from a new light integrate it into my being right and then take another step forward. Right. What is the next one that I need to look at? Mm. Then there's this. I need to look at this. And, and instead of, it's not an ego death. Anyone telling you that they killed their ego? Man, they're <laughs> speaking from a very tall mountain of ego. Right, right. You need, to, you need to resolve the ego. Right. You know, that ego is there for you to help you and protect you. Right. You know, it's a part of you. It's one of your layers. Mm-hmm. And you can't look at it like an enemy and you can't look at it like your savior. You need to look at it like your mirror, your shadow. Mm-hmm. And I've always, you know, told my friends, like, the book, The Picture of Dorian Gray, always had a huge effect on me. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you're familiar. I'm not. So it's by Oscar Wilde. And basically, in the very beginning of the book, it's a man, Victorian era. This young man, he's having a portrait painted of him. And the, and the painter is like, look at this beautiful painting. You know, it's like, and it's perfect. It's just perfect. And in that moment, Dorian Gray, the character, sells his soul to the painting to stay as beautiful as that painting is. Mm. And then over time, he doesn't change. The painting starts to change. Mm. And he sees all of his negative actions start to come out in the vision of the person in the painting. And it becomes this monster and he hides it away from everyone. And the way I've always looked at it is that we have to paint our own picture, mm. but a picture that we're so proud of that we put it for everyone to see. Right. And to make our life the masterpiece, mm. to be our own living masterpiece. And that's how I look at it. And all these changes that I've been going through is to make myself feel whole, feel, my, feel more loved in myself, and to not want to hide anything, 
to be so open. I literally wear my heart on my sleeves. Yeah. My story is open for anyone to see, anyone mm. to ask, and to be willing to share that and come to that point mm. where here is the portrait of myself. Mm. And everyone, I want everyone to feel that way about their life. Oof, that's deep. That's deep, it's deep, it's deep, and I resonate so much with it. Man, I feel like your journey, as, as you just explained it from, you know, the yoga, as like you re-found it, you reintegrate. Because like you said, it was always there even since you were young. And then, you know, all just the life things, friends, this, that, interests, others, just kind of, you know, got you away from it. Maybe had that be a little dormant. But it was like once you dove into it deeply, that's when all the abundance started to fly in. Right, mm-hmm. and then within that abundance, it opened you up to all of these experiences that allowed you to grow even more into who you are today. And I love the aspect of being able to wear your heart on your sleeve and wear it proudly, be so proud of the painting that's ever evolving, that there's always more strokes and changes and this and that because it's all having you evolve into who you are. And something that you were saying had me really come back to... Are you familiar with uh, Michael Bernard Beckwith? Yeah. So I love Michael Bernard Beckwith. I got deep into his stuff during like quarantine time. And I remember being in my journey early on. And this ties into what you were saying about the ego death and speaking from like high at the ego, the ego mountaintop. And I remember I got to a time where maybe I was doing the work for three, four years. And I kind of got frustrated. I was like... I was like, when am I going to make it? When am I going to be there? Silly me. I've been doing this for three, four years, thinking I'm supposed to be like enlightened or something mm-hmm. by this time. And then I remember getting over that, like kind of being like, all right, that's silly. But I never really understood an analogy of like what was really going on. Mm-hmm. And I heard Dr. Beckwith say, you know, life is just constant unfolding. It's like do something, you learn something, you're unfolding. And then more information, more experience, and you're just unfolding, 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 unfolding. And it's beautiful to see your unfolding and just the so many levels of it during this journey from, you know, a little bit before quarantine, basically from when you saw your mom mm-hmm. that last time in person up until now, just like all the different variables and things that came into play that ultimately got you to to loom. Mm-hmm. And just being in a space, I can only imagine the feeling when you got there and you realized this ecosystem that they're building and you're like, wait a minute, like this part of my life that, you know, maybe I thought died, like this hospitality aspect, like, no, wait, it can be integrated with my growth, my spirituality, my evolution. And wow, look how beautiful this is when they are married together. And it's like, hey, something inside of you is like, I want to be a part of this. Mm-hmm. Like, I need to get more into this. And it just led you to actually doing it, to being a part of that ecosystem and continue your growth. And I'm so curious, what do you see? Like one, does this place already have a name? Mm-hmm. And then two, what's the, the vision for it? What do you see going on like next? I know it's this place where you want people to come and be able to experience transformation without maybe having any type of specific tools coming into it, right? Mm-hmm. Like where do you see this place going? What's next? Well, you know, to touch on your point, what I like to say is that we are always who we're becoming. You know, we, you know, you're saying, when am I going to make it? It's like, when are you going to make it? Right now. Mm-hmm. When you say, I'm deciding now to be the person I want to be in the future. That's when the person of the future is speaking through you. Yeah. When they, when they are able to step back into you and say, now I walk with you. I've been calling you from the right. future, but now I'm walking with you. Collapsing timelines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Bring them all together. Mm-hmm. Now, this place also, you know, me and Janine, we'd always talked about the future and we wanted to have our own little hotel that we wanted to work together. And we wanted to work together against what we had before. And I'm looking around as I'm walking there and there's a small pool just big enough to dive into, like she said, and a place to see the stars up top where you could sit and have, you know, sit and watch things like it was like she had made this place in her mind mm-hmm. for me at that time. And that's when I, I felt the energy when I walked through it. Wow. You know, and I was like, the only other time I had felt that energy before was when I was with her. And I could feel like that's where mm. I was supposed to be. So that was what helped me embrace it all. Now, this place does have a name. It's called Cantaloom. K-N. Um, it's cantaloom.com or cantaloom on Instagram. 
and it is already a place that's just magical just being there you have this feeling of peace and tranquility and calm and how i am going to be helping people and sharing the tools of transformation is through my transcendental transformation training program mm. and that's a one week seven days that you are one-on-one -on -one immersed there with me and i'm teaching you the keys and the tools of transformation what it, what the tools are that you need to be able to deal with the issues in your life work through them also helping you work through past experiences you know it's a a process that has to do with your diet, has to do with yoga, yoga nidra, meditation, tapping, a whole series of, of things, and ritual and ceremony, because that's how the body releases and learns. Right. Um, all inclusive, except for the flight, and another seven week afterwards, follow up, working through a lot of other things that you're going to need to go through. Right. But of course, I can give you the keys, I can give you the path and show you the path to the door. You need to take the key. Put it in, mm -hmm. turn it, open it, and walk through it. Right. You know, someone showed me the keys. I, I saw the keys and I found them with different people along the way. People helped me, but I still had to decide and accept and help myself. Right. And it's for anyone. Transformation is for anyone and everyone. It's everybody's birthright. But it's for the people, this experience, for the ones that are ready to say, right now, I decide I want to feel better. I want to be better. I want to make my life the way I dream it. I want to be able to be the master of my own destiny and harness the power and the energy inside of me that I know is there, but for some reason, I just can't find it. Mm. So, with that, I welcome everyone. I welcome you, of course, to come down and check it out. But that's what I'm seeing for the rest of my foreseeable future. 12 candidates a year working one-on-one -on -one directly with them. Mm. And then they can share, when they're ready, they can share those tools with someone else. Yeah. And so on and so on. And create effective change. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's taking that, that Trojan horse of love and spreading it. And I loved what you said there. Because I tell myself, something I say all the time in, in my messaging, is that I realized that when I worked on healing myself and I bettered myself, that gave me the opportunity to make the world around me a better place. And what that turns into is me realizing like, hey, like if, if one person can change, that means the world is changing because mm -hmm. that person's going to make such a profound impact on the people around them. And it just keeps spreading and spreading and spreading. So I'm super interested in this work that you're doing. I think it's amazing. And it's the distinction that you give of how important it is for the person to be ready to walk the path. A person might be confused, not know what the path is or what the tools are and things like that but it it takes the intentionality the willingness deciding right and, and a powerful definition that i've learned for deciding is to kill off everything else mm -hmm. and focus on the thing at hand so when i decide that i'm taking this journey for personal development i know what works in that path in that moment i'm erasing all these other things that don't serve me Right, very much how like you did with the food and things mm -hmm. like that. So, for everyone listening, I think something that's important is to know that if you're looking to change and you're committed to that change, know that there are so many tools and resources and skilled people out there who can help you with it. But no matter how much help you get, it's on you to do the work. And then, Kareem, if you have if there is maybe one or two tips that you can give the listeners right now who are in their journey, maybe in the beginning, maybe in the middle, you know, it's all it's all the same really, right? It's a continuing. What's something that they can take with them and try out right now that can help them continue to move the needle forward? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, that, that thing that we give that we kill is that's the sacrifice mm. that is our sacrifice that's the lamb that we're supposed to sacrifice not mm -hmm. like a it's that thing say from here I'm putting this aside so what they can do is review review their world review their life review everything in it their daily process what is it that I'm doing every day what is going to what is it that I'm doing that helps me take a step closer to where I want to be and how I want to feel and who I want to become 
what is it that's giving taking a step back you know write them down another thing is learn to sit with yourself what we're trying to do when we're out there avoiding and 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 drinking and partying and all these things we are avoiding being alone with ourself right you know i have a relationship i have to have a girlfriend i have to have a husband i have to have all these things why why do you have to have all these things are you afraid of being in a room with yourself for five minutes with your own thoughts mm. sit with yourself sit there for one minute in quiet peace no music no focusing on on some elephant or anything just sit then make that three minutes then make it five minutes. You can do that five minutes every day to sit with yourself. Mm. That's a moment of love where you actually get to relax and let the body calm down, let the mind calm down, no matter how fast it's trying to run. you know. And then ask yourself a really important question. Do I want to change? And if you can get to that point to ask yourself that question, then you're already on the journey mm. towards answering it. I love that. I love that. Super deep. Kareem, thank you so much for your time, for your love, for the work you've been doing on yourself, how your story and your way of being and your powerful tools are helping others and for just being a light in this world. And for me, I'm always honored when I am sitting across a mirror that has me feel like, man, I'm not alone. And there's people who are doing the same things that I'm looking to do, but doing it in their own way. And that we really are healing the world because we started with healing ourselves. And yeah, it might've started from a really shitty place, a really dark place. And that's what I believe brings us all together. We all, we all know what it's like to hit our rock bottom. And it, all, it always looks different for each person. And that's okay because the human aspect is like being able to feel. Like being able to understand if we can connect on that level with more people, I mean, the world is as it is just going to become a better place. So I appreciate you, brother. Oh, likewise, man. Thank you so much. I'm honored to be here. I appreciate you for for giving me this privilege to come and talk about my journey. And and I appreciate everyone that's listening and, and honor them. And we're not alone. We we are all in this together. Many eyes, many faces, innumerable names, but we are only one. Aho. Aho. And then, Kareem, where can everyone find you online? They want to learn more about your work, about you, everything like that. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at The Transcendental Man and TheTranscendental.com, which goes live in March. Let's go. And that'll have the Transcendental Transformation Training Program. Let's go. And for anyone listening that wants to reach out, you know, send me a message or. Hit me up. I'm always available. Amazing. Amazing. Everyone listening, make sure y'all take him up on that. I've learned so much in this hour and a half that I've been connecting with Kareem and from the the share that we did last week. And, man, looking forward to growing this brotherhood. Likewise, bro. Hey, appreciate you, my man. Much love. Much love.